Hello, and welcome to IRI Growth Insights, featuring IRI thought leaders, industry partners, and guests. For more than 40 years, IRI has been known for its invaluable data, but these podcasts delve into the insights the data reveal to fuel market disruption and market growth for those in the CPG, retail, healthcare, and media markets. I'm your host, Joan Driggs, coming to you from IRI's corporate headquarters in Chicago. Welcome to our monthly Fresh Pulse episode of IRI Growth Insights Podcast. I'm joined by IRI's Fresh Expert, Jonna Parker, Principal of IRI's Fresh Center of Excellence, and IRI partner, Anna Marie Rohring, President of 210 Analytics, a research company that specializes in food retailing. Jonna and Anna Marie have collaborated on reports of departments across the store, and we really encourage you to find their work at iriworldwide.com backslash fresh foods. I really highly recommend this treasure trove of content. In this episode, John and Anna Marie explain our March numbers. Um, we started to see a lot of inflation in our February numbers. So, John, I'm going to start with you. What are we seeing now? You know, again, another month of similar trends. It's holding. Um, quite a bit in terms of inflation across the store. We saw a four-week average of about 10.4% year-over-year price increase across food and beverage. And for the most part, that split, it's not just in fresh, despite consumer perception. Um, essentially, a lot of things that are everyday basics from shortening in oil, certainly as well as, you know, I think where we're seeing some of the biggest inflation year over year is in frozen processed poultry. Obviously, those items do have supply chain pressure, um, given that many are, you know, tenders and wings and, you know, things that need to be processed at the plant. We're also still seeing seafood up about 12% year over year. Some of that, you know, I think this, the important thing to say would be, in our survey, we've definitely seen inflation overtake COVID by far as the biggest concern among consumers when they go to the store these days. And, you know, I think it's it's very true. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily, as I think we'll talk about today, that every product in the store is seeing this trade down. Ultimately, affordability is important, but retail is still a value in a consumer's mind relative to food service. So, Anna-Marie, you know, what are you hearing from the industry in terms of where inflation's really hitting them the most? Yeah, I think it's an interesting market right now because as we've talked about, it is not just food. It's really all the way around. And according to the latest numbers from the BLS, the inflation is far outpacing increases in wages. So that means that people are effectively making less. And that means that a lot of people, especially that middle income, lower income, are starting to search for other opportunities in order to save money. And that's where I think it's so interesting that you and I look across the entire store, because what we're seeing is when price perceptions of old start to come into play. Is frozen actually cheaper than fresh? It is sometimes, it isn't always, but in the mind of the consumer, they often believe that frozen is cheaper than fresh and canned is, free, is cheaper than fresh. And so you see some very interesting patterns emerge where people go to the store with a list in hand more so than they did a year ago. 
Um, so really, as an industry, I think it's super important to understand what are those some of those patterns, but also how can we get people to shop beyond the list by delighting them in a variety of different ways, whether that's a meal station, whether that is uh, creatively uh, putting together promotions that focus on the entire meal instead of just the meal components, all these different ways in which we can help really people how to make ends meet by the end of the month. And I think too, like, don't promotions help you kind of move away from your list? I mean, not just some, to some of those premium, but what are some opportunities or trends that you're seeing with promotions? Are they coming back? Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about coming back is we do still see a frequency of promotion happening. Front of page ads and what types of foods are highlighted have not changed. The depth of discount, the frequency of discount is really what's changed. And obviously promotions in perimeter are slightly different than in in center store. In center store, it's about certain brands, right? Achieving more prominence for that week than other brands. In fresh, it typically was this calendarized rotation of meat and produce items in this kind of we do this, then we do this, this is what we did last year. And I think what we're seeing is retailers still strive to have those items in the front of ad, but not necessarily the same lift impact, not even just because of price discount. You know, we saw really hot prices on ham for Easter, but that didn't mean we saw boatloads more ham sold. Um, there was a return, you know, as, as we highlighted, and Joni did an excellent job also on iriworldwide.com of, of highlighting some of the things we were expecting for the holiday that we did still see. Candy sales were brisk, ham sales were brisk. But what Anne Marie's talking about that I wholeheartedly agree with is the concept of solutions. And one of the things that really I think was so interesting in the four week ending, first week of April data was the prominence of sandwich making solutions that aren't necessarily about promotion. But really what we saw was a lot of added dollars year over year in items like higher end bread, both in center store aisle, right? People are still choosing breads that have taste qualities and health qualities. We also still see incredible growth in both volume and dollars in deli grab and go lunch meat. Now, that term for us is when it is um, premium quality deli meat, but you don't have to wait in line for it. That convenience is worthwhile to consumers who are maybe opting to have a lunch at home or bring it now that they're maybe more mobile. And instead of trading down to the lowest quality tub of lunch meat or package of lunch meat, they're still choosing deli quality, but they don't want to wait in line and they want to see that variety. So again, Deli Grab and Go Lunch Meat added another $31 million this April or this March versus last March, and volume is also up 5%. So if you think about it, a sandwich has so many convenient solution options. It's a smaller portion. It can be a more premium option, and it has a health halo in that it might be a potentially less carb load than another type of lunch that you could choose for. And I think, too, it it provides a lot of flexibility. Life is back to normal where we all have our evening activities. Dinner that we had together during COVID might not be the case. But I also think, Jana, I want to hook into something that you said, and that is 
retailers finally have an ability to shake up that rhythm of year-over-year promotions a little bit. The reason why I say that is because a lot of retailers were still heavily reliant upon the paper circular. What happened during COVID is that a lot of the smaller town newspapers went out of business because their advertisers went out of business. So by necessity, a lot of retailers uh, had to cut their distribution because there was nowhere to put it. Um, A lot of them went to a smaller paper format because paper is very expensive. They went to fewer pages from 16 to 10 or 10 to 8, what have you. So in other words, that paper circular is not as important as it used to be. And we actually see that on the consumer side as well. What is growing, on the other hand, is the app and the website where people go to see what's on sale. Well, that provides us, I think, with two enormous advantages. One, personalization, where we're able to bring forward items that are relevant to me, which means greater uptake. And second, the ability to say, Let's just move away from those week over week promotions because in the current uh, supply status where people order one thing and get shipped another, nobody really knows what's going to be in the warehouse, what's going to be in the store, making promotions harder, making promotions deep much harder. So let's just move to three-day sales or let's move to one-day sales. Let's move to mix and match sales. So with that electronic promoting, I think we have so much more ability to personalize and create promotions that are much more innovative, shorter, faster, et cetera. I love that. It's almost like a, a forced evolution that's for the better for everyone. That's pretty interesting. Um, so you both have talked a little bit about some of the things that we're seeing. And Anna-Marie, I'd like to hear from you, like, what aren't you seeing that you would have maybe expected to see? You know, typically in the period leading up to Easter, we see very, very strong seafood sales. Uh, Now, it's important to point out that seafood is coming off two of the biggest years they've had ever. Um, So it's fair to say that they have a very tough road to continued growth. But that said, we never really saw the Lent and Easter bump that we would have expected. Uh, Some of that, I think, did move to frozen. Frozen started to outpace the growth in fresh. So there is one of those trends again. Um, But certainly some of those traditional Easter sales, I don't think really materialized the way that they have in the past. So then the question becomes, are people still uh, shopping for those holidays further out? So the trends are not as pronounced as they were in the years prior to the pandemic. Or are people starting to celebrate some of those holidays out of home again Um, or with different meats? Because that was one of the things, of course, that we saw during the pandemic is we had smaller parties. So instead of relying on the classic, typically big party size meats, they moved to different ones. So it'd be curious to see, Jana, what you think about some of those um, holiday trends. Yeah, you know, I think, again, the, the price of ham was higher than we'd seen in the past in the run up to Easter, but it didn't necessarily hurt ham sales. We obviously had Easter in a different week this year than last year. I think the other thing that we um, continue to see that's really important kind of to piggyback on on all of the the conversation, we are back in in Q1 2022, we are back from a channel perspective to pre-COVID and more. So for example, Before COVID, we were talking about traditional grocery leaking sales to Mass Super Club and what was online going to mean to Fresh, right? 
Now, all of the things that we thought we'd see have come to fruition in spades. For example, club is two percentage points higher than it was in 2019 in share of fresh. Online is 2.6% of total fresh foods. And Mass Super is back to the, the share that they had before. So I think what I'm bringing up here is back to kind of round, not just on the Easter component, which obviously a lot of the mass and super gain benefits, club gains benefits in a, in an occasion base, but we're seeing these trends every day. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier with promotions. It's usually the bastion of traditional grocery to do the heavy circular week long promotion. Whereas why you think, you know, it's not just value of why people are going to mass super center and club. It's the surprise, delight, relevance in a lot of cases. Um, We in traditional grocery sometimes don't think about, you know, or really pride ourselves on the assortment, the variety and the choice that we offer, let's say in the meat department or the produce department relative to a mass merchandiser or a club store. But sometimes that curated choice and that I have the basics, plus I've kind of surprised you with a bit of a treasure hunt that I think club and Trader Joe's have also really exemplified. People are voting with their dollars that that's the kind of shopping experience they want, as opposed to having to surf the circulars. And I think online is another piece that we expect to see continued strength coming out of the pandemic. Yes, we're more mobile, but so many retailers have made online shopping easier and easier to compare prices and quality. Recently, I participated in a panel with um, members of Instacart, and one of the things they talked about is how bread is their one of their num- top search terms, followed only by milk and fruit. Those three things are not necessarily, you have to find a department, then you have to find the brand, then you have to find the price. I mean, you type in bread and you get a wide variety of options. And some of those options actually trade out on benefits more than on anything else. But people are choosing if they meet their needs to pay that little extra dollar more. And that's why I think the internet as well as Supercenter and and Club are going to continue to be strong unless traditional grocery really reinvents itself. Well, the interesting thing about those uh, top three searches is those are the trip magnets for traditional retail as well. You know, bakery and produce always lead in the trips to center to the store. So what does that mean in order to get people into the store and hopefully delight them with impulse purchases? So those are the kinds of things to think about, right? How do you optimize that? basket when people buy in the store? How do you optimize it when people are using Instacart? And that's, I think, something where we see big struggles with things like seasonal and new items. And and the season that's coming up is cherry season. And we all know when you walk into a store during cherry season, the first thing you see is that table with cherries. And just about everybody will walk by and pick up either a big or a small bag Now, the question is, when you're putting in your order on Instagram or you're just going to the store website, how will you know that it is cherry season? How do you know that it is the season for watermelons or what have you? And so I think we have to really learn from the experiences in the store and translate that to online experiences as well. Well, I do love what you're saying, though, about the retailers investing more in those platforms so that the circular is kind of getting a fresh update. It is, it goes back to promotions. We still want the promotions, but to your point, both of you, um, it's a whole new world and you have to connect in different ways. 
Um, so it's interesting because I do want to talk a little bit more about seasonality. And you just mentioned cherries. Um, and Jana, you mentioned some of the work that we did around spring holidays where we anticipate greater, um, more gatherings, more people at the table. What is your outlook for further into the spring and into the summer? I mean, we're getting into grilling season, for example. Um, tell us what your outlook is. I think it's going to be a summer of small gatherings and reconnections. And again, it goes back to new ways that we're thinking about things. So for example, in light of the inflationary environment, I think it's still going to be a home-based entertaining season. Maybe the gatherings are slightly larger, but more frequent. And so a lot of what we learned during COVID was things that could be served to many and then saved for more food. For example, meat and cheese trays, veggie trays. We talked a lot about cheesecakes and the fact that they're pre-portioned, so you could keep out a little bit more. Those types of solutions, I think, are going to be key. It's also going to be a grazing summer. Meaning that the idea of having multiple meats on your grill to satisfy everyone from someone who's eating more plant-based to someone who does want, you know, more of a great pub style burger, that kind of impress others, but offer multiple options is such a tremendous opportunity for the industry. I think, um, again, it's where online could also be very suggestive. How we help people understand, are you getting ready to grill something? Suggestive selling is really what the internet outside of food is known for. So how do we say to people, hey, it looks like you're having you know, a grilling occasion. Here's some other great things for the grill. Not just saying, oh, you bought hot dogs. Here's hot dog buns. And I think last, there's so much opportunity around, um, again, solving the meal as we're busier giving people new ideas. There's an excellent program again on Instacart right now around ready-made meals that essentially curates multiple dinner convenience prepared solutions all across different retailers in your area for its members. And again, it's things we have that we're already offering today in deli prep or in some kind of, you know, retail at food service offering but we're making those easy to purchase. And I do think retail is actually going to be inspiring food service more than we've ever seen before because retail is essentially where people are solving those meals. And I think we're going to see even more of that this summer. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. There always was a gap between the innovation that happened in restaurant food service. And about a year later, those trends that were really hot then came into retail Well, what's happening in the restaurant food service space is that a lot of restaurants have had to really streamline the number of different ingredients that they're working with and by result, really focusing on their sales powerhouses. So there has been much less innovation coming out of the restaurant space. And in fact, what we're seeing now is a lot of the trends are almost facing on par with each other. And some are actually now starting more in retail and perhaps even bleeding into food service going in the opposite direction. So I think innovation is really important. And that is absolutely one of the ways in which retailers have an opportunity to override that fear of inflation. Because ultimately, it is still cheaper to cook at home. And that's a knowledge that uh, a lot of shoppers absolutely share. In terms of the holidays, I I think uh, there's going to be a lot of normalization back to the way people were celebrating prior to the pandemic. With the Candy Association, we always run a survey every so many months by which are you already back to celebrating like normal or if not, by which holiday do you think that might be? 
Um, and cumulatively for the Christmas holidays, we were already looking at uh, a good 90% and it just kept on stacking up to that. So it's hard to say if there's another variant, maybe we'll see that slip back a little bit. Um, but by and large, as you mentioned early on, the concern over inflation at this point far outpaces the concern over COVID. So I have a couple questions for you there, and I want to go back to your comment about innovation and that you see that retailers are almost getting a little bit more ahead of it. Can you give us some examples or an example of innovation that you've seen at retail? Yeah, I think, you know, we talked a little bit about the rise of charcuterie and specialty cheeses and people trying different flavors of Italian dried meats or even just nuts and seeds and and dried fruits. Those trends are very retail based. While charcuterie boards appear on almost all menus, they're pretty basic and they're still kind of the bastion of the pubs. Whereas what we see at retail is people getting creative with different types of cheeses, different types of meats, looking for Um, other solutions. We've also really seen that driven from social media. Social media, both TikTok and Instagram, have had a lot of different options to show people really creative ways to showcase kind of in-jar little, you know, spoonable treats as well as... I believe it is called. It's called what? Jarcuterie. Jarcuterie. You're right. Exactly. (laughs) And so much of that is a retail application. Um, And therefore, you know, while food service is still a little bit, I'd say we're seeing, you know, we're still seeing a lot of plant-based on menus, a lot of ingredient, a lot of branded fresh um, with country, not country of origin, but really like farm of origin and information about that, you know, sustainability in that way. I think it's still a lot of the snacking, grazing, charcuterie, snackable that is very much retail led and it's actually social led. Yeah. And, and, you know, that whole social component, I'm glad you threw that in there because the biggest trend in restaurant food service prior to the pandemic really were those smaller meals where especially millennials would get together at a restaurant, order a whole bunch of appetizers. But a lot of restaurants actually had small plates menus um, and they were very much geared toward sharing and sitting there for a while. Well, if you if you compare that to the level of ingredients that you need to have all those different small meals, that's something where restaurants really ran into trouble. So they much moved away from all that variety. And charcuterie is the perfect example where at retail, you're going to have 20 different cheeses, even if you don't focus on cheese in your store, you're going to have a whole bunch of different salamis, pepperonis, different meats. Anyway, Um, you have your olives, you have all sorts of different grapes. If you look at grapes and the varieties that have exploded in there, Um, So whether you're looking for more of a plant-based board or more of a meat-focused cheese forward, you have it, you know, that's something where the store can shine. They can bring in chocolate, all sorts of other things. One of the best executions in that actually came from Aldi. I was walking around. They had a QR code on the side of their end cap display. If you focused in on that, it went to a charcuterie page with eight or nine different chefs that all were focused on charcuterie plates. You could read up on what their focus was, um, have all the ingredients. And then if you came around the corner, all those charcuterie ingredients were uh, put on the end cap of the store, as well as the refrigerated area right across from it. So 
really a big focus uh, in retail. And that's absolutely a great example of how retail may now lead restaurants and innovations like that. That's a great one. And it feels like such a cool destination in the store. I love that. Um, I want to talk too. I mean, it, it kind of takes me back again to Jana's comment about the multiple meats on the grill, because same thing, you might just want to have a little sampler platter of some of these main things. And that leads me to my question about meals in general, you know, at home meals. And I know we talk about solutions a lot, but it seems to me that the at home meals, we were making more than 80% of our meals at home a couple months ago. And now we're at a level under 80%, which is the lowest it's been since September um, or since, yeah, since September of last year. So what, what is your outlook there? I mean, I would think restaurants, you know, again, you said the limited menus and the very high prices, it's still a better deal to eat at home. What, what's your outlook for meals at home? You know, we are still seeing seven of 10 now. So, I mean, I don't want to give folks the impression that we've snapped back to five of 10, which is our estimate of where we were pre-COVID. I think that the price of food being high at both food service and retail will keep the number elevated versus pre-COVID, plus our new way of eating. As Anne-Marie said, I mean, we are grazers and that does, it's, I think food service will continue to be a part of the solution more so than during the height of COVID, of course, but a lot's going to depend on where people feel the most surprised and delighted. So if food service evolves, and, and remember, food service has also evolved to being more online also. So, you know, one of the things that we saw was adoption of delivery food services and a plethora of options online in the beginning of, of the pandemic. But delivery fees, membership fees, you know, a lot of those services are pivoting now to go after groceries as well. So I think we have to recognize that the landscape of competition is both online and going to a location. That said, the way we eat is what's important, not necessarily where. And the way we eat now is very focused on convenience, solutions, fuel, Right. And I think one of the, again, the benefits of retail is people really feel like they can curate their own choices. As much as whether the restaurateur, chef, or retail, or even the online chef helps them surprise and delight and meet their dietary needs, I think will be the one who wins. In some places, that is the retailer serving as restaurateur. And I think this concept of who is curating your meal and helping you see the solutions that you need, I think that line's blurry. Again, then it's a matter of, do you want to cook it yourself or do you want to get it ready to go? And we can't just think of these things as silos anymore. I really like that a lot. And that's to me a great place to end. And that is that the retailers are increasing their ability to curate and to recognize what their responsibility or their opportunity is in this space. So with that, I just want to recap a couple of the things that I heard today. Um, and that is inflation is high and holding. Um, it's across the store from those center store basics into the perimeter, um, the fresh perimeter. And that inflation has overtaken COVID as the top consumer priority or the top consumer concern. We see that um, the depth and frequency frequency of promotions has really 
um, shriveled up during the pandemic, but that we're starting to see things come back a little bit more. We don't have the circulars, but this opens up a huge opportunity for retailers to leverage their other platforms to get more personal about what they're offering shoppers because we are looking for deals for sure. Um, we do see that um, there's been so, an explosion or a lot of growth, frankly, in some more premium products, which is interesting. Jana, you really talked a lot about sandwiches from the bread to those premium lunch meats, particularly around the grab and go, which is so much more convenient. And this, I think, is kind of a nod, too, to those higher prices and more of our hybrid work, both at home and going to work. Um, we also anticipate that the summer um, will be a lot of gatherings, more reconnecting, um, grazing, for example, perhaps, you know, more sampling. But that kind of bleeds into the whole um, element of what we just closed with. And that is that there is a lot more innovation coming from retailers, um, particularly as food service has had to narrow their assortment, narrow their offerings because of inflation and labor and all sorts of other areas, but that we've seen retailers really step up. I learned a new word today, jarcuterie, for example, but I love the Aldi example of really offering all of these cheeses, all of these um, condiments, um, all of the meats, the cured meats that you can really build your own. So with that, I'd like to thank you both for your time, and I'll talk to you next month. Thank you for listening. Please become a subscriber and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insight. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.